Our passage this morning is Nehemiah chapter 5. Nehemiah chapter 5. We'll be looking at verses 14 through 19. 14 through 19 in Nehemiah chapter 5. If you are visiting with us, we've been walking through the book of Nehemiah. And we believe in going through God's Word verse by verse because we believe Scripture to be profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the people of God may be complete and equipped by the Word of God for every good work. Before we read this morning, let us pray and ask God for His help as we open up His Word. Father, we thank You for this Lord's Day in which we are able to gather. We thank You that no matter what we have going on in our lives and no matter what may be before us, we can come together with Your people every Lord's Day and sing together, bring our petitions to You, and open up Your Word together. What a a sweet grace You have given to us in this, and may our Lord's Day leave a longing in us for eternity, in which the very things we sing and confess will become sight. So Lord, speak through Your Word this day. Mold us how You see fit so that we may be used for your kingdom's cause and not our own. It may be it all for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 14. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes the king, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. The former governors who were before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took from them for their daily ration 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants lorded it over the people. But I did not do so because of the fear of God. I also preserved in the work on, the, on this wall, and we acquired no land, and all my servants were gathered there for the work. Moreover, there were at my table 150 men, Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now what was prepared at my expense for each day was one ox and six choice sheep and birds, And every ten days, all kinds of wine in abundance. Yet for all this, I did not demand the food allowance of the governor, because the service was too heavy on this people. Remember for my good, O my God, all that I have done for this people. This is the word of the Lord. The books of Ezra and Nehemiah should be viewed similar to a second exodus. God in His providence has once again brought His people out of bondage and He's bringing them back to restore the land. What we have seen in the first few chapters is Nehemiah uh, sent to Jerusalem to work on the rebuilding process of the wall. 
And there's opposition to the work. And at the beginning of chapter 5, we see some families in the countryside that were facing financial hardships that worked on the wall. They left their families for around two months. And as John covered last week, families had need had needs. Debts were to be paid and taxes were to be collected. The people were suffering and faced poverty because of the work and the leaders before Nehemiah that brought burdens. Because of this, some families did not make enough and they were, they were calling for relief in the first 13 verses of chapter 5. But then we are met with Nehemiah's generosity in these verses before us today, in verses 14 through 19. Nehemiah was a man who modeled generosity and giving among his people, unlike those who came before him. He did not take extra. He wasn't receiving money under the table, but he gave. What was met with exploitation among families and the people in Judah in verses 1 through 13 in chapter 5 is now met with generosity. And through these verses, a few verses before us today, we are made aware of the leaders before Nehemiah that have brought burdens and hardships upon the people. But Nehemiah's uh, service honors the Lord. Nehemiah is an example of how to care for the poor. And his example should call us to question how we steward our time and how we steward our finances for the glory of God and for the care of people. And so as we walk through our passage today, we have two points. Two points as we walk through this text. Our first is, bad leaders bring burdens. Bad leaders bring burdens. And we'll look at verses uh, 14 and halfway through verse 15 for that point. Bad leaders bring burdens. So if you're very particular about taking your notes, I would put 14 through 15b. (laughs) And then our second point is godly leaders reflect the one to whom all praise is due. Godly leaders reflect the one to whom all praise is due. And we'll look at the latter part of verse 15, so 15c through verse 19. Godly leaders reflect the one to whom all praise is due. As we walk through this passage, the first point will be much shorter than the second. So point to point number one, bad leaders, bad leaders bring burdens. Let's read verses 14 and 15 again. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes the king, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. The former governors who were before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took from them for their daily ration uh, 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants lorded it over the people. So in verses 14 and 15, Nehemiah pulls back a bit and begins to reflect on his time of service. Scripture mentions his 12 years of service here. He served from uh, 445 B.C., Uh, to around 433 B.C. And after quickly reflecting upon his time, he states that he abstained, he abstained from the food allowance that was allotted to the governor. 
And by the use of this phrase, he is comparing himself to former governors like Shes Bejar, a governor mentioned in Ezra chapter 5, verse 14, and Zerubbabel, a governor mentioned in Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. So he did not partake of this food allowance, and this is a phrase that's also repeated in verse 18. What would have this food allowance been? What would have been this food allowance? It would have been luxurious. It would have been a luxurious food allowance, but he is giving that up. He is not taking advantage of his situation. And we are reminded of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 1, he did not partake of the king's food, and the Lord used Daniel and blessed Daniel. You may hear of those who do some big uh, thing like winning, winning a Super Bowl or a World Series that they will never have to buy a meal again. Nehemiah was in a position in which he could have done this, but he did not. And I think this is due to the Lord using Nehemiah as an example to, dis- to display His glory and His kindness to those in Judah. Nehemiah is displaying among the people of Judah self-denial. He's denying of self. One of the things that I've expressed to my community group is that I've become increasingly aware of pastors falling or or failing over the last few months. It's because they have taken advantage of people and positions. I sent a news article to John this week of a man that we both know who took advantage of people. He harmed people and smeared the name of Christ. And what a wicked thing it is when an under-shepherd treats the sheep like a wolf and brings harm to the sheep. And there's not much in comparison to that. That is, that is wicked. And so just even this morning, a charge to my brother pastors, we need to guard ourselves. We are never to be lifted up above our position. And North Hills, pray for your pastors that pride does not grow in our hearts. And may we walk together in humility pointing to Jesus. And we not take advantage of positions in which the Lord has placed us to then magnify ourselves. But may we use where the Lord has placed us to bring glory to our King. The beginning of verse 15 continues to describe the way in which the previous governors took. They laid heavy burdens upon the people. These governors were to care and oversee the people of Judah, yet they did not bring comfort. They brought a burden. The stress of having to work and labor when you're you're under so much debt, you would not be able to, to work your debt off. Labor is difficult already, but then laboring under debt brings an added grief. And Scripture says that the governors laid heavy burdens and took from them 40 shekels of silver. These governors before Nehemiah not only worked the people to a point 
where it laid a burden on them, but they then were taxed with whatever remained. And this would have been an enormous burden put upon the people. And these governors, they were taxing for their own gain. For their own gain. And Scripture does not stop there. It continues to say that even the servants lorded it over the people. Even the servants lorded it over the people. John mentioned Exodus chapter 22 last week, verses 24 through 26, about lending money. Among Judah, there should not have been any charge of interest, yet they were breaking the law of God. These were brothers. These were people who were just in bondage. The Lord delivered them again to go back and rebuild. And yet, these brothers took from their own to make their estate better. May we not be those who bring burdens in what we require, but be people who glorify God in all that we do. And beloved, what was said about previous governors is not said about Nehemiah. He did not tax like previous governors. And this would have been unheard of for Persian leaders. So much so that historically, among the governors of Persia, Nehemiah is the only governor on record to not tax his people. That leads us to our second point this morning. Godly leaders reflect the one to whom all praise is due. Godly leaders reflect the one to whom all praise is due. Let's read verses 15 through 19 again. But I did not do so because of the fear of, the, because of, the fear of God. I also preserved in the work on this wall. And we acquired no land. And all my servants were gathered there for the work Moreover, there were at my table 150 men, Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now what was prepared at my expense for each day was one ox and six choice sheep and birds, and every ten days all kinds of wine in abundance. Yet for all this, I did not demand the food allowance of the governor, because the service was too heavy on this people. Remember, for my good, O oh my God, all that I have done for this people. Just to make a quick note as we walk through these next few verses, I'm going to comment on the text, but then we will make some quick comments about how these truths in Scripture are applied to our lives. But the main point, the main point over these few verses is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord and godly leaders will reflect the one to whom all praise is due. And in this portion in the, in the passage, it shifts from the focus, uh, moves from the focus on the faults of the governors to then looking to Nehemiah and how he did the opposite of those before. But the driver or the hinge is the phrase, 
the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord here in this passage. The fear of the Lord by Nehemiah is what is different than the previous leaders. We even see this uh, rebuke in verse 9 of chapter 5, which Nehemiah says to them, Ought you not walk in the fear of our God? It was the fear of the Lord that motivated him. And I want to clarify too, I understand motivation may not be the best word because of the way we have used it in our English language, but it is living in such awe and wonder that your life cannot be the same. We stand amazed in view of our King. Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 and 4 says that when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? How many can wake up on an early morning and see the sun appear from the clouds and you take a step back and you enjoy what you are seeing? Now reflect upon a more grand scale. We behold the one who made the sunrise, who is holy and just. He is our true reason for living and anything that we do. There is no casual living for the Christian. There is no casual living for the Christian because we are in awe of our God eternal. The way we go about our labors, the way we go about parenting, the way we go about friendships and marriages. It is the fear of God that motivates us. The glory of God put Nehemiah in awe and and wonder. The glory of God puts us in awe and wonder. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 3, Scripture says that the God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God. David is making note that when one rules justly, they will rule under the fear of God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 19, verse 9, Jehoshaphat has appointed certain Levites, priests, and the heads of families to give judgment for the Lord. And he charged them in verse 9 by saying, Thus you shall do in the fear of the Lord, in faithfulness. So Nehemiah's reflection here in verse 15 should cause us to rightly fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord led Nehemiah to live in the manner that he did. And so fear of the Lord means being, being in awe of Him first. We do not fear man or man's response. What cowards are we if we live for the fear of man? If we behold our God rightly, we will not fear no power of hell or scheme of man because we will not be plucked from His hand. Beloved, we've been given only one life. And what a wasted life it would be if we feared man over the Lord. By rightly viewing 
his life. By rightly viewing Nehemiah's life in light of our big God, Nehemiah does not take advantage of the people, nor does he take advantage of his status. He did this of his own conviction. He was longing for something better because of his fear of the Lord. And again, what is the central point of this passage is that by the fear of the Lord in Nehemiah's life, he lived in a manner that brought him glory. His fear of the Lord or standing in awe or wonder of our God could not keep Nehemiah the same. And on the last day, it is not before our government or any nation that we will give an account but it is the Lord over all creation that we will stand before. Like Peter and the apostles answered in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, we must obey God. We must obey God rather than men. And so let us, like Nehemiah, live in a manner in which we are longing for the new world more than this one. Let us live in a manner of the fear or awe of the Lord before us. Continuing on in verse 16. They continued and they preserved the work on the wall. Under Nehemiah's authority, all, all, went to work on the wall. Even Nehemiah's servants were gathered there for work. This would have cost Nehemiah because of his sending of his servants. We see in verse 10 of chapter 5 that the brothers and the servants are lending money and grain. And so from previous leaders... They would have been lording the heavy burdens of taxes upon the people, but here they are lending and giving out. It would have cost Nehemiah to continue the work of the wall. It would have cost him to lend out money and grain. It cost him to send his servants. And while they worked on the wall, he did not acquire land and for a governor not to acquire land also reflected the humility of his position. Again, Nehemiah is denying himself. And what Nehemiah has been given is a gift of God. What we have is a gift from God. But Evan, I've, I've worked so hard for this. I wore myself out. Who gave you breath in your lungs? Who made your heart beat? Who made the cells in your body move? All that we have and all that we are in Jesus is by grace. But Scripture does not stop there. The Lord continued to use Nehemiah to bless Judah. In verses 17 and 18, he daily had 150 at his table. Now, there is, there is some debate on whether this is an accurate number or an exaggeration. 
But God's word is reflecting the generosity of the governor of the land of Judah to the people of Judah in which previous statements have not been exaggerated. So there is no reason to make a rush to judgment of exaggeration in God's word here. He is feeding 150 people at his table. And it would have been custom for the Persians to entertain officials and guests from other lands. But notice here in verse 17, Nehemiah has a mix of people at the table. He has Jews. He has officials and those from the nations around them. While he is entertaining those from various countries and their officials, he's also caring for the poor at the same table. He entertained, he cared for the poor, and he enjoyed the table. We can enjoy what God has given and do so in a manner that longs to see more more join you at the table. And God gave to Nehemiah, and Nehemiah is stewarding what he has been given. What he has been given. Nehemiah has wealth and he is blessing the people of Judah. In the book of Zechariah, we see the Lord's call to care for the oppressed, and the people did not pay attention to the word of the Lord. Scripture says in Zechariah chapter 7, verses 9 through 13, and the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments. Show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. And let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears so that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by His Spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts as I called, and they would not hear. So they called, and I would not hear, said the Lord of hosts. Unlike the people of Israel, Nehemiah cares for the poor and the oppressed. And in verse 18, Scripture shows that he did this at his own expense. He did this at his own expense. He was not a politician using taxpayer dollars to do his work. The taxes of Judah did not pay for the table. This came out of his own estate. He slaughtered an ox daily. He slaughtered an ox daily along with sheep and birds as he provided wine. And this wasn't some cheap piece of meat either. The description for the meat is the choice sheep or select sheep. This is the expensive section at the market. And these were animals that were prepared with thoughtfulness and placed on the table intentionally because Nehemiah gave what was best for his guests. And so he gave an an example among Judah and Persia that was selfless. Typically, the, the governor would have dove into the riches in excess, which would have led to forsaking the people. But Nehemiah showed humility in his position and gave up his estate. His life was spent to care for his people. 
And this shows his dedication first and foremost to the Lord, but to the people of Judah and to the, re- to the rebuilding of the wall. But would this not have been a very unique table? Nehemiah, he, he invites many. He provides a meal for the poor and needy while also entertaining those from the nations. But Nehemiah's table points to a greater table and should leave us longing for that table. A table in which the nations will gather because of the Lamb that was slain. In Revelation chapter 19, verses 6-9, through 9, Scripture says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty pearls of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to, said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. The Lamb, the Lamb has provided. And He does not take, but He gave. As John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29 says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lord Jesus took on flesh. He dwelt among men, lived perfectly in our place. And upon the cross, He was condemned for our sin. He died. He rose again so that those who believe in Him are now reconciled by faith and they are forgiven of their sin. Believers behold Him as Savior and Lord and He provides a seat at His table for His bride that He has purchased by His own blood on the cross. While Nehemiah's table needed a daily sacrifice, we have the once-for-all sacrifice. Nehemiah's Nehemiah's table, he, he filled a table that would still leave people hungry. But our king has set a table that leaves us full. Nehemiah's table was temporary. And our king's table is eternal. Jesus, Jesus is the greater Nehemiah. And so, beloved, we have the Lamb. We have the Lamb. In this life, in this life, let us enjoy what God has given, but do so in a manner that longs to see more join you at the table. God gave to Nehemiah, and Nehemiah is stewarding what he has been given. And the Lord has given to us. And may we steward that well. As we think about stewardship, we can think and reflect upon our efforts and missions. If the Lord has 
put a desire or given you a passion for a good work, do it. If you want people to join you in that good work, ask. Our primary focus upon missions efforts at North Hills is going to be church planting. Why would our primary focus be upon church planting? One pastor that I know has said, the greatest mercy ministry is the local church. What is meant by that is that churches should desire to plant other churches and that the greatest need will be met and that people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we think about the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Disciples of the Lord Jesus are going to make disciples of the Lord Jesus and disciples are going to come together in local churches and churches are going to plant local churches or they'll they'll plant churches. And one way we have leveraged some of our efforts at North Hills is by having a training program for future pastors in ministry. And this should be seen as a, a serious training ground for future pastors not, not everybody who comes through our residency may be a pastor. But we have a few men now who are meeting at, uh, together at 5.50 on Wednesday mornings to pray, to read Scripture, and to, to talk about a variety of things as it relates to ministry. Now, this is not all uh, of what our residents will do through this program, but it's a part of it. And this is a residency in which we have to help future churches. And so I hope you see that as a mission of North Hills and invest in it as such. But by God's grace, we also plan to send out members. If our area can keep adding Dollar Generals, we need just as many healthy gospel preaching churches. Every single week, we should be praying for Adam Johnson's community group. If we should be planting churches, making disciples and calling people to repentance and faith in Christ, would we not want to see that multiplied throughout our, throughout our area in which another pulpit is meeting people with their greatest need, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ? So let's pray to that end. Orphans and widows will, found, will find their home in a local church in the family that God has provided. Mes McConnell has said in his book, Church in the Hard Places, the one unique thing that a local church has to offer to people mired in poverty is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are a gospel people. We will share the gospel. But through the life of our congregation, we have projects, we give, we meet needs. Sharing the gospel, planting churches, and meeting needs should not be in opposition. If there is not something that we are doing and you have a passion for that, go do the work. If you, have, if you desire a good work, follow it up in action. Elders and deacons do not have to lead these missions efforts. Members, members, you need to recognize that you are mobilized to be on mission. We don't have to have formal plans. You don't need an elder or a deacon. Go do it. Start it. And we will follow. Invite other members to join you. 
You can go and do good work as a member. And over the last few years, I just want to mention just a, just a few things our church has done together. We've supported kids and families through CASA and our Christmas giving. Towards the end of the year, we prepare baskets of encouragement for our local DCFS workers. We have cared for foster families. We have foster families. We host a yearly conference for, for pastors and churches. We meet with and encourage local pastors. We call and we give to international pastors. We're always giving books and resources to churches, pastors, and other believers. We have written letters of encouragement. We've given to families who have lost loved ones. We've paid bills. We had one family go up to Pine Bluff to uh, teach on practical needs. We had another group of families go to Pine Bluff and work on the building for Christ the Redeemer. We have families meeting the needs of others and regularly sharing the gospel. I have received countless texts from our members saying, hey, I just shared the gospel with this person. Will you pray for them? We've given out backpacks and resources for kids and families. We provided food for our congregation and those outside of it. We yearly support the baby, the baby bottle project that gives to life choices. And we pray for babies in the womb. We want to see abortion abolished. We have members who are daily involved in the lives of the next generation schools from elementary to the university. We have members who are boots on the ground as first responders. And so through these avenues, as we go, we have conversations with the lost. Through conversations, we know how we can meet physical needs, but then the goal, the goal is for them to hear the gospel. Can we, can we always do more? Yes. Yes. And if the Lord has given you a desire to do a good work, to, to bring glory to Him and to share the gospel, do it. Do it. And bring other believers from North Hills alongside of you. But we should not desire to do more because of the fear of man, but because of the fear of the Lord. The Lord is watching. 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children... Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And so as the Lord used Nehemiah to give to Judah, the Lord uses His church in this world. Everything we have, everything we have is a gift from God. And so may our lives be spent for His glory. Let's continue to go to the oppressed the poor, the orphan, to our neighbors, to the nations, as we are captivated by the fear of the Lord, as we're in awe of Him. Let's, let's go for His glory. But then let's, let's not abuse what the Lord has given us as well. We see by the end of verse 18 with the phrase, because this service was too heavy on this people. So let us use what the Lord has given us and, and not abuse it. 
Nehemiah is a leader that sensed the heaviness of what was going on among the people of Judah. In the New Testament, we see churches in Macedonia with a similar generosity of Nehemiah. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1-5, through 5, Scripture says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. So may we give according to our means to glorify our King. But here in this text, is Nehemiah giving for the for the sake of his pride or that he cares about Judah before our eternal God. We see in verse 19, Scripture says, Remember for my good, O my God, all that I have done for this people. Nehemiah is not beating his chest in a manner of pride, but saying it before the Lord in a manner of humility. He's confessing this to reflect his service to God and to God's people. His wealth does not guide his heart. The Lord does. And Nehemiah gives freely. He is giving praise to the Lord, similar to the churches in Macedonia. His commitment is to the Lord, and the Lord is going to use the, uh, him as an example in the resources that he has given him. And so Nehemiah is an example among Judah and to us to rely upon the Lord and to give freely. Nehemiah has a few similar prayers in chapter 13, verse 14, verse 22, and verse 31. Verse 14 of uh, Nehemiah chapter 13 says, Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and do not wipe out my good, wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for this for his service. So this prayer of Nehemiah here in verse 19 should should be uh, seen as Nehemiah wanting to glorify God in the manner in which he lived. And this prayer is reflecting Nehemiah's trust in the Lord by the phrase, Remember for my good, O my God. Only the Lord can provide for our good. And Nehemiah wanted his life to be spent for the Lord. And so as we've seen in this passage, Nehemiah, unlike the leaders before him, gave generously to the people of Judah. He did not bring heavy burdens upon the people. He instead gave to bring people to his table. He did not buy land and did not partake in the various extravagant meals that would have been provided to him because of his service as governor. And as the Lord used Nehemiah among the people of Judah, the Lord uses his church in this world to preach the good news of the Lord Jesus, to care for those in need, and that our lives are to be spent to glorify Him. Beloved, may we not waste our lives on meaningless causes, but may our lives be spent taking the good news of Jesus Christ to our neighbors and to the nations. We only get one life, 
and it will soon pass. Only what is done for Christ will last. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that we who were once dead in our sin with no hope, now because of Jesus, we are now reconciled to you by faith. And our sins are no more. Our sins are forgiven because of Christ. And fathers, we are about to partake of the table. May we again be reminded of what your Son has provided for us. As we sing, may we sing as brothers and sisters, rejoicing in the work of our great God, who has removed the shackles of slavery to sin. May we not be a people who bring more burdens, but be a people who live in a manner that gives all glory and praise to our King who has redeemed us. And as we take the good news of Jesus Christ to our neighbors and the nations, may we go out under your providence and care. May it be all for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.